We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of Hadith number 21 in Riyadh al-Salihin. This is the very long Hadith about Ka'b bin Malik. And so we're just going to continue. Why don't you start back like two or three sentences and then, okay. and then uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Yeah. So, I had the honor of being with Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu on the night of uh, Aqaba, when we pledged our allegiance to Islam, and it was dearer to me than participating in the battle of Badr. Although Badr was more well known among the people than that, and this is the account of my staying behind Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu on the occasion of the Tabuk battle. I never had better means and more favorable circumstances than at the time of this campaign. And by Allah, I had never before possessed two riding camels as I did during the time of this expedition. Whenever Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, decided to go on a campaign, he would not disclose his real objective till the very last moment of departure. But on this expedition, he set out in extremely hot weather. The journey was long and the terrain was waterless desert, and he had to face a strong army. So he informed the Muslims about the actual position so that they should make full preparation of the campaign. And the Muslims who accompanied Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Muhammad at the time were in larger number, but no proper record of them was maintained. Qab further said, Few were the persons who chose to remain absent, believing that they could easily hide themselves, and thus remain undetected. Unless a revelation from Allah, the exalted and glorious, descended relating to them, came. And Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, set out on this expedition when the fruit were ripe and their shadows had lengthened. I had a weakness for them, and it was during this season that Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, and the Muslims made preparations, I also would set out in the morning to make preparations along them, along with them, but would come back having done nothing and said to myself, I have the means enough to make preparations as soon as I like. And I went on doing this, postponing my preparations till the time of the departure came. And it was in this morning that Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, set out along with the Muslims. I, but I had made no preparations. I would go early in the morning and come back with no decision. I went on doing so until they, the Muslims, hastened and covered a good deal of dis- distance. Then I wished to march on and join them. Would that I had done that. But perhaps it was not destined for me. After their departure of Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Whenever I went out, I was grieved to find no good example to follow, but confirmed hypocrites or weak people from Allah had exempted from marching forth for jihad. Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad made no mention of me until he reached the book. Okay, let's stop right here. Good. So, so now Ka'b bin Malik, you know, um, related to the, the material that we covered last time and a little bit of what you read today, he said that. I was there in the Bayah of Al-Aqaba. I was there from the beginning of the period of Medina. I was there... Excuse me. I was there <coughs> for the Battle of Badr. 
I went with the Prophet, peace be upon him, on every single expedition with him. Right? That's how loyal he was. And then he mentions, I have these two camels that I really, really uh, prized. Okay, so imagine instead of camels, imagine you have two cars that you really prize. Right? And then, then the Prophet, peace be upon him, every time he'd go on an expedition, we wouldn't necessarily know that we're going on an expedition uh, until, the, uh, until the end. So we're always ready to be on an expedition. Or he wouldn't tell us where or against whom. Okay. Right? So that's, that's war strategy. Why wouldn't he tell them? Just in case if someone deserted, was a traitor, was a spy. Yeah, exactly. It's a strategy. Yeah. So if there's a spy, not to give information. If there's a traitor, right? Someone deserts. All those reasons, right? So all every time he's leaving with them, they're all ready to go on to an expedition. Okay. But the battle at Tabuk is different. So one, the prophet peace be upon him is telling them, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to be fighting a lot of people. Okay. So what's already happening now is that people are getting in their minds what they have to face. Okay. As opposed to people not knowing. When you don't know, you're just like, okay, we're going to go into potentially battle and we're ready. Okay. But now they know they're going to go into battle. And then each day, and this is also going to be in a terrain that has no water, which is why he told them. Like, he's like, get ready. And, and it's super hot. So imagine how hot it already is. They're going to a place that's super, super hot, right? And so then he would go out and make preparations, but for some reason he's kind of split on whether or not to go, which is something new for him because he always um, was ready to go. And so, you know, like there's that line in Dark Knight Rises, like victory has defeated you, that, you know, he's gone on all these expeditions it's possible that, you know, now he's having some thoughts about, you know, do I really need to prepare and such. And now what has happened? They've all left. Okay. And he didn't go. Okay. And he didn't really have an excuse for not going. And so now he's looking around. Everyone who stayed back, they're one or two people. Either they're hypocrites who basically made some bogus excuse for why they, they shouldn't go. Or it's weak people that they've been excused from going. And so now he's thinking, oh my gosh, have I become one of the hypocrites? Yeah. And then he's wondering about the prophet peace be upon him. Is the prophet noticing that I'm gone? That I didn't show up? Okay. Right. So that's where we are now. Okay. Let's continue. Then. After the departure... No, I did that. Um, so while he was sitting... Yeah, while he was sitting with the people in Tabuk, he said, what happened to Kevin Malik? A person from Banu Salima yeah. said, O oh, Allah's Messenger, the beauty of his cloak and appreciation of his finery had a lord and detained him. Uh-oh. Okay. So so now, this is the, the reputation that Kaab has gotten. Something about his, so it says the beauty or an appreciation of his finery has detained him in his cloak. Mm-hmm. It could mean that he has a cloak that he's attached to. Or it could mean that he's begun to think something special about himself, right? Like a metaphor. Mm. Okay. So let's see what Mu'ad says. Mu'ad bin Jabal. Upon this, Mu'ad bin Jabal admonished him and said to Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu By Allah, we know nothing about him but good. Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu 
Howard kept quiet. Yeah, um, so, so Moad corrects him, saying, look, we know nothing but good from him. Don't say these things about him, right? So that guy could be speculating that from the person from Banu Salima could just be uh, speculating, or he could, you know, it's, it could just be a loose tongue. And Moad, who's one of the close companions of the Prophet, says, no, 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 we know nothing but good. The Prophet, peace be upon him, remains silent. Okay? And the next... At the time, he, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu saw a person dressed in white and said, May he be Abu Khatama. Yeah. And it was he, Abu Khatama al-Ansari, was the, was the person who had contributed Asa'at updates and was ridiculed by the hypocrites. Ka'ab bin Malik further said, When the news reached me that Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was on his way back from Tabuk, I was greatly distressed. I thought of fabricating stories and asking myself how I would save myself from his anger the next day. In this connection, I sought the counsels of every prudent member of my family. When I was told that Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu was about to arrive, all the wicked ideas vanished from my mind, and I came to the conclusion that nothing but the truth could save me. So I decided to tell him the truth. Okay. So, you can imagine the situation he's in, right? So he gets news, the expedition is done. Now what am I going to do? This is something that we all face at some point, right? Am I going to, you know, it's like do the crime, do the time. Uh, am I going to come forward and express what I did wrong? Mom's coming home and we didn't yeah. do the chores on time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so he's, so he's full of this distress. He's thinking about making up an excuse, right? That's how much distress he's in. He's thinking about lying to the prophet, peace yeah. be upon him. And then he's talking to his family, what do I do, right? Mm -hmm. But then when the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, he hears he's about to arrive, okay, all those uh, ideas vanish. So what was going on? Shaitan was totally dumping ideas in his mind. You're doomed. You better, you better make something up. Mm -hmm. Now the Prophet is near, and suddenly it's all going away. He's like, I have to, I have to come clean. So I decided to tell him the truth. It was in the morning that Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu arrived in Medina. It was his habitat, his habit, that whenever he came back from a journey, he would first go to the mosque and offer two rakat, and would then sit with the people. When he sat, those who had remained behind him began to put forward their excuses and take an oath before him. Mm -hmm. They were more than 80 in number. Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu accepted their excuses on every face of them and accepted their allegiance and sought forgiveness of them and left their secrets, intentions to Allah. Until I appeared before him, I greeted him and he okay. smiled. So, so now you see what's happening. The line of people who are, who are giving their excuses to the Prophet, peace on him, and he's saying, okay, inshallah, and, um, and so the Prophet's praying for them, right? It's kind of like, you know, I will often have students were coming to me saying, I, I, couldn't, I can't do the work because this happened. I couldn't do the work because that happened. I couldn't do the work because this happened. Okay. And, and so, so, he, so with me, you know, um, it's my decision, so often I'll accept it. They could be just completely making it up, mm -hmm. right? And such is the case here with people. They could be just making it up. Mm -hmm. But the Prophet on them is being gentle with them, mm -hmm. right? Now it is time for Kaab. And he's also saying it's up to Allah. Yeah. The, the intention's only Allah alone. Yeah. And then, uh, okay, I greeted him and he smiled, and there was a tinge of anger in that. Uh -huh. He, the Prophet, Muhammad Sallallahu then said to me, Come forward. I went forward and I sat in front of him. He said to me, What kept you back? 
could you not afford to go in for a ride? I said, oh, Allah's messenger, by Allah, if I were to sit before anybody else, a man of the world, I would have definitely saved myself from his anger on one pretext or the other. And I have, I have a gifted skill in argumentation, but by Allah, I am fully aware that if I were to put forward before you a lame excuse to please you, Allah would definitely provoke your wrath upon me. In case I speak the truth, you may be angry with me. But I hope that Allah would be pleased with me and accept my repentance. Okay. By Allah, yeah. there is no valid excuse for me. Okay, and read the next sentence. By Allah, I have never possessed so good means, and I have never had such favorable conditions for me as I had when I stayed behind you. Okay, so the first thing, he's looking at the Prophet, he's the Prophet is smiling, but there's a tinge of anger in his face. Just try to even imagine how subtle it is. And this is, you know, how closely Kaab is looking at the Prophet, peace be upon him. And then the Prophet's asking, you know, what held you back, right? Is it that you couldn't afford it? So the Prophet's even giving him an excuse. You couldn't afford it? And then he says, look, I could say something that you'll be fine with and make it up, but then I know Allah Ta'ala is going to, you know, Allah Ta'ala knows that I'm lying, and he's going to bring it through you back against me. Mm -hmm. Right? So, I have no excuse. And in reality, I've never been living so well before. Mm -hmm. So maybe the allure of dunya got to him a little bit. Right? Yeah. Thereupon, Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu said, This man spoke the truth. So get up and wait until Allah gives a decision about you. Okay, so here, you know, he's saying you have spoken the truth. Now you're just going to have to wait, you know, for, for what happens. Okay. I left and some people of Banus Salimah followed me. They said to me, by Allah, we do not know who you are. We do not know that you committed a sin before. You, however, showed inability to put forward an excuse before Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu like those who stayed behind him. It would have been enough for the forgiveness of your sin that Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu would have sought forgiveness for you. By Allah, they kept on reapproaching me until I thought I was going back to Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and retract my confession. Okay, so what's going on? What are these guys saying to you? They keep... At least they're telling him, if uh, if you just had even made up an excuse, uh, the messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, would have sought your forgiveness, and that by itself would have just absolved you of your sin. Yeah. But you had the uh, courage, or yeah. just whatever the word is, to actually say the truth, uh -huh. despite that. Yeah. And so then, now he's even thinking of going back. Uh -huh. Right? That's the thought that's going through his mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, then I said to them, has anyone else met the same fate? They said, yes, two persons have met the same fate. They made the same statement as you did, and the same verdict was delivered in their case. I asked, who are they? They said, Murab bin Arabi al-Amri and Halal bin Umayyah al-Waqqafi. They mentioned these two pious persons who had taken part in the Battle of Badr, and there was an example for me in them. I was confirmed in my original result. Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi prohibited the Muslims to talk with the three of us from amongst those persons who had stayed behind them. Okay, so now look at this. What is the Prophet saying? Those three guys, nobody talked to them. Wow. So, um, it's like they are, uh, they've been silenced. But weren't people already talking to him already? But now he's given this 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 ruling. Nobody talked to them. Oh, after that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Muslims to talk with the three of us 
from amongst those persons who had stayed behind them. The people began to avoid us, and their attitude towards us underwent a change, and it seemed as if the whole atmosphere had turned hostile against us. And it was, in fact, the same atmosphere of which I'm fully aware, and in which I had lived for a fairly long time. We spent fifty nights in this very state, and my two friends confined themselves within their houses and spent most of their time weeping. Mm. As I was the youngest and the strongest, I would leave my house, attend the Congressional Salah prayer, and move <coughs> about in the bazaar, but none would speak to me. I would come to Allah's Messenger Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu as he sat amongst the people after the Salah, and greet him, and would ask myself whether or not, or whether not his lips moved in response to my greetings. Then I would offer Salah near him and look at him stealthily. When I would offer my Salah, he would look at me, and when I would cast a glance on him, he would turn his eyes away from me. When the, when the harsh treatment of the Muslims to me continued for a considerable length of time, I walked and I climbed onto the wall of the, great, of the, wall of the garden of Abu Qadda, who was my cousin, and I had great love for him. I saluted him, but by Allah, he did not answer to my salutations. I said to him, O Abu Qatar, I adjure you in the name of Allah. Are you not aware that I love Allah and his messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu I asked him the same question again, but he remained silent. I again adjured him, whereupon he said, Allah and his messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu know it better. My eyes welled up and I came back climbing down the wall. Okay, so, so this is also pretty straightforward, right? This is really, really tormenting him. Um, the other two that stayed back, mm-hmm. um, that are given the silent treatment, they're just staying in their house crying. Mm-hmm. He's younger, he's a little bit stronger, and I meaning stronger of personality, and yeah. so he goes to make the prayers, and he's, he says salam to the Prophet, he's trying to figure out if the Prophet responded. Mm-hmm. Um, he prays near the Prophet, mm-hmm. and he's glancing, um, and then he noticed the Prophet might be looking at him, but then when he looked, the Prophet looks away. And, and then um, he's even visiting his cousin, and his cousin's not even talking to him, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And uh, so let's stop here. Oh, okay. And so we'll continue. Let's get into the good part. Yeah, the good part of this, yeah. There's, uh, there's a lot more goodness, uh, interesting stuff to come. So let me just give you, uh, where is that? Are we at the end of a paragraph? Yeah, right here. Oh, perfect. Okay. So we'll stop right there, and then we'll continue, inshallah. Next time. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.